morning, good morning, good morning. We're so glad you're here, and if you're watching online, so glad that you tuned in. Um, one day our hope is that you'd be able to be here in person, and just know every week when I preach, I'm always remembering those online faces who are like, I wish I could be there. I know you're here. We hear the testimonies. There are church members. Um, before we get into the word, I do want to, all my guys in here, make a noise, some type of noise. There you go. There, you guys, you, there you go. You did way better than the first service. Um, every, every guy and every, if you have a significant other with you, every guy and your significant other, please put down in the calendar February 18th. Put it down. Say, everyone say February 18th. We're going to have our men's leadership breakfast. Our men's leadership breakfast. Um, we want to get the guys together to talk about principles that are not only good for the church, but that'll be good for the workplace, and that'll be good to help you lead your family. Um, we're going to have three of them. I think it's February 18th, March 18th, and April 15th. But um, if you are not connected to us, especially online, if you can make it, if you're not connected to us, please fill out a connect card or download our app. We're going to send you a text message. We're going to finalize the location. Um, it's just really for the guys to get together and be guys. And, I'm not, and when I say that, I don't mean the world's definition of being guys, right, which is always kind of gross. I'm talking about the biblical definition of being guys. Um, holy men, righteous men. So February 18th, and if you are a significant other, spouse, whatever, encourage them to go, even when they're like, oh, I just want to sleep in. No, go. Go be amongst other healthy, healthy Christian men and learn from the Lord together and learn how to lead our relationship, our family, um, our future. February 18th. Every guy say February 18th. Amen. Amen. Welcome back to the table. Uh, so glad that you guys can be here. Uh, at the table, we've spoken about our identities and, as sons and daughters and the revelation of our identity as sons and daughters. And this week, we're going into, we're talking about forgiveness. Ugh, this is one of those like, why did I come to church today topics? We're talking about forgiveness. And here's what I understand Here's what I know. There are a lot of us as sons and daughters who struggle with forgiveness. Raise your hand. I do. I know I do. It's not that we struggle with extending forgiveness. A lot of us are better with that. A lot of us struggle with receiving forgiveness. That's me. That's you. We struggle with receiving forgiveness because the truth is a lot of us are a lot harder on ourselves than God is. And we could hear it in the way we speak to ourselves. I'm an idiot. I'm dumb. How could I do that? I'm stupid. How could I allow that to happen? And the truth is, if our internal voice of how we talk to ourselves became an external voice, we would say, yes, I deserve everything that's being said about me. 
Because we are finite, we exist in time, measurement, and quantity. We believe the lie that grace and mercy can also be measured on the same scales that we use, and it is not. Grace and mercy cannot be measured in time, distance, quantity, because it's infinite. There is no end to it. But here we are. Write this down because I find this to be true. Forgiveness will always be difficult when we elevate our sense of judgment over God's. Forgiveness will always be difficult when we elevate our sense of judgment over God's. Scripture says his ways are not our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts. But what happens with forgiveness is we say, surely, God, you wouldn't forgive me for this because I don't even forgive me for this. So why would you? Anyone? God, why would you forgive me for this? I wouldn't forgive me for this. I couldn't forgive me for this. And there's some sons and daughters of God right now sitting in this room saying, Pastor, that's me. I did something, whether it be recently or not, I'm just ashamed of. I'm guilty of. And I don't deserve his forgiveness. I don't deserve his grace and mercy. But I find that when I put God's thoughts and his ways above my own, I fall into that grace and mercy. I can embrace forgiveness because I understand that my sense of judgment is faulty and it's broken, that his is complete and it's perfect, and that grace and mercy is for me. That not only that I can receive his forgiveness for myself, but I could take that forgiveness and extend it to somebody else. God extends forgiveness of our sins, not because of what you do. It's not because of what you look like. It's not because you go to church every Sunday. It's not because you signed up for a new spiritual podcast. It's not because, oh, you listen to Maverick City or Bethel worship music. God doesn't forgive you because you do the right things that look like a Christian. He forgives you because of Jesus. He, be, he forgives you because of Jesus. Because when he looks at you, he, said, he looks at you and he sees his son and he goes, I forgive you because my son died for this. It's my son's death that allows me to extend forgiveness to you. Outside of Jesus, there is no forgiveness of sins. Go and look. I've studied the other religions. I've studied the other belief systems. There is no one who is willing to take the death of sin. No one. We'll read shortly that Jesus stirs up a lot of trouble saying stuff like that. That he forgives sins, that you are forgiven. If you have said yes to Jesus in your life, you are forgiven of your sins. 
It's just the liar, the enemy, the traitor. He wants to remind you because all of us have had that thought. All of us have wrestled with this thought when we did something and we're like, how could God forgive me? Not only have I done it once, I've done it several times. Why would God forgive me? And yet Jesus stands in the gap. He goes, I forgive you. I've washed it away. And it's not that God can't see your sin or that he's forgotten me for lack of memory. He chooses not to remember. Some of us may say that's very naive of God. He chooses not to remember your sin. It's the blood of Jesus that washes and makes us clean. And I know if this is your first time in church, you're like, whoa, that's radical. Blood of Jesus, what? We can go to a whole other sermon about that. Let's talk afterwards about that. The nature of our Father is forgiveness. The nature of our Father is forgiveness. And now some of us have grown up in churches and around believers and Christians that say, once you've crossed this line, there's no coming back. I have. Oh, you did that? You're going to hell. I've heard it. How could you even live with yourself? Oh, you're living that lifestyle? And yet here God is sending Jesus to leave all of heaven to embrace mankind. Can I tell you that there is no line in Christ that he won't cross to forgive you? There is no measurement. There is no sin. There is nothing that you cannot turn and say, God, I am so sorry. And he goes, I'm here. I'm with you. I'm closer than a brother. I've been waiting for you to turn around. But yet we've been conditioned to think that God has limits to our sin. He goes, no, I've washed it all away. The sins that you've already committed, the sins that you might commit, it is all covered in the blood of Jesus. Just turn to me and I will forgive you. You don't have to pay for anything. You don't have to look a certain way. I am here to pour out my love, mercy, and forgiveness on you. And so for anyone who's ever told you that there's a line that cannot be crossed, there's something that God just won't forgive, they don't know my father like I do. I'm sorry that was told to you. That's not my father. If God can take a murderer and turn him to write two-thirds of the gospel, what can he do with you? If God has an adulterer in his line, in his lineage, what can he do with you? If God can turn King David, who was a murderer, adulterer, and did all the things, but yet he says, he's the apple of my eye, what does he look at you as? The gospel does not exist without forgiveness. It cannot exist without forgiveness. It's so important that as children of God, we can receive and extend forgiveness. Because when we do, we are telling everyone with an orphan mindset how good the Father is and how transformative the gospel can be. We tell those who don't know God, Oh, you went through that? It's okay. His love covers a multitude of mess-ups. It covers a multitude of sins. 
See, but so many different things are being preached about my father that's not true. It's being said that you can't cross this line or if you if you do this, you're evil. And if you do that, like he won't forgive you. And if you do this, you've created a gap. Don't you know that Jesus covered the gap? He covered the gap. He covers it all the time. Every single time he covers the gap. He's not going to come to this earth and die and be mutilated for it to say, oh, this one sin, that'll keep you away from me. His forgiveness is good. It's always good. It's never judgmental. There's some of you guys in this room, and if we're, if we're being really transparent, that God has forgiven you for something that you did years ago that you haven't forgiven yourself for. Some of us are holding on to the guilt and shame of a decision that we made. And now that we've been made alive in Christ, we still have this guilt and shame and we walk around with our head low and not talking to anybody and we never bring it up with anybody because you're like, I could never forgive myself for that thing. And Jesus goes, I died for it. Give it to me. Let me take your guilt. Let me take your shame. Here, take identity. Take grace. Take mercy. Take love. It's for you. But I think we just stand there sometimes when forgiveness is being poured out and say, I could never. He makes all things new. He makes all things new. You do not have to be a victim of the thing that you're ashamed of. You are forgiven. He doesn't remember it. And guess what? I don't care if that person told you there's not a plan and a purpose for you. There is a plan and there is a purpose for you because of the forgiveness in Christ Jesus. And the thing that wants to shame you the most, God says, I will turn it around if you let me and it'll become a testimony of how good I am and how good I'm making you to be. There are some of us right now who are under the bondage of unforgiveness. We're bound to unforgiveness. And whether it be unforgiving to someone else or unforgiving to ourselves, we're bound by it. I mean, let's be honest. There are some people in my life that I had to search my heart while I was writing this. I'm like, God, is there some unforgiveness in my heart that I'm holding on to? Anyone here ever hear this, that, that, corny line where they say unforgiveness is the poison that you drink and that you expect to kill someone else but it kills you it's very corny but it's true it's corny but it's true write this down i do not need the other party's consent to forgive them i do not need the other party's consent to forgive them. 
I don't need to ask them if I can forgive them. I don't need to put them on notice that I forgave them. I need zero consent from them for me to forgive them. That's the beauty about receiving and extending forgiveness, is being able to say, God, I receive your forgiveness. I receive it for myself because I have had many, many sorrows and many, many sins. And then in that same nature, taking the forgiveness that I have received and saying, I forgive that person for wronging me. And the thing is, is that when you say, I forgive them, you would think that you've unlocked them and set them free, but the truth is you've just unlocked yourself. You are now free. You can look at that person without bitterness, without resentment, and without anger and say, I pray God's best for you. I've had some people wrong me bitterly in my life. And I should not forgive them by the world standards. But I found that when I forgave them in my heart, I walked in freedom. I became all that who I was able to be in Christ Jesus. It's like I claimed my identity even tighter as a son or daughter of God because I understood what Jesus did for me. I got it. People will know how good our Father is by how we love and how we forgive. How we love and how we forgive, they will know how good Jesus is. I want to tell you, forgiveness is not easy. So please don't think I'm standing up here as if I've claimed it and I'm, I forgive everybody. It's not easy. Forgiveness, when I have to forgive someone else who's wronged me, a lot of times it's a wrestling match. It's like, I don't want to forgive them. I want to be bitter. I want to be angry. I want to slash their tires. I want to do all those things. You could laugh at that. It's okay. Because some of you, I mean, all of us have had that, right? We want to do all those things in unforgiveness. Forgiveness... And hear me clear when I say this. Forgiveness and reconciliation are not the same thing. They are not. They are not the same thing. People like to lump these two, two things together, and I'll tell you why in a minute. You can forgive someone and not feel the sense to reconcile. You can forgive someone and say, I forgive you, but I choose not to build, rebuild a relationship. I just want to leave it as it is. I'll pray for you. I, th you know, I praise God's best for you. I forgive you. I release you from this bitterness, from this anger. But I choose not to reconcile. And that's okay. I think sometimes as Christians, we think we have to reconcile with everybody. <laughs> Good luck. That's difficult to do. There's some people it's just like, all I have for you right now is forgiveness. And I pray that sets you free. But you can forgive someone and not sense the need to reconcile, but you cannot reconcile unless you truly forgive. Some of us in the room right now are trying to reconcile with someone they have not forgiven, and you're wondering why it's not working. You say you want to reconcile and build a relationship with them, but you really haven't truly forgiven them. 
Because every time you see them, any time they say something, any time they do something, that hurt flashes back up again, and you're like, I don't know. I don't think I forgave them truly. And therefore, you are spinning your wheels with them and wondering why that every time they talk, you feel like stupidity is coming out of their mouth. It's because you haven't really forgiven them. You haven't really forgiven them. The nature of our Father, the nature of God is to forgive and reconcile. That's his nature, is to forgive and reconcile. He pardons them for their sins and wants to build a relationship with you. Not only does he forgive us for our sins and say, I remember them no longer. This is the beauty about our Father. This is the love of our Father. Is not only does he say, I forgive you, I pardon you from your sins, I remember it no longer, but he goes, I want to reconcile with you. I want to bring you close to me, and I want to be close to you. He's doing those, he does those things at the same time. When we say, God, forgive me, he says, I remember it no more. Now come close to me, daughter. Come close to me, son. Learn from me. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Learn from me. And here's what, and here's what a lot of us Christians do. God, forgive me. And he goes, yes, I forgive you. And then he goes, I want to draw near to you. And like, I don't. I just needed you to forgive me. I don't, I don't want to get close. Because I, God, I, I know me. You, trust me, you just want to forgive me. Because the moment you get close, you, you may take away your forgiveness. And that's the lie we believe. The closer we get to the Father, the more it reveals ourselves to ourselves, and we're like, oh, just forgive me, but please, like this reconciliation, if I have to come close to you or you come close to me, you're going to see me for who I am. And you may not want me anymore. But that's not true, is it? That's not true at all. Because the truth is, when we say, God, I'm so sorry, he says, I run towards you. Even in the midst of you saying your sentence, I run towards you. Look at the prodigal son. Before he could even utter a word, his father was running to him. God is running to you right now. He doesn't care what you said or hadn't said. He's running to you. I know everyone's quiet because this is so deep, right? It's so, so deep. But there's a lot of us who struggle with forgiveness. And the reason why, the same way we struggle to receive is the same way we struggle to extend. This is why some people that we're bitter with right now is because there's something in our life we haven't forgiven ourselves for. There's something in our life we haven't allowed the Holy Spirit to wash over and say, I forgive you, I remember it no more. So when we hold on to unforgiveness in ourselves, we hold on to unforgiveness in others. 
Everyone turn to Luke 7. Turn in your Bibles and on your phones. It says, when one of the Pharisees, and this is Jesus, one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. He went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. Who knows that in today's society, Jesus would have been canceled already. Jesus goes to the house of a Pharisee. Does he believe? Is he aligning with them? In today's society, Jesus would have been canceled. It would have been all over the news. You would have seen a video on YouTube or Instagram or TikTok or wherever of Jesus walking to this house and there would have been a whole colony of people ready to cancel him because he walked into the house of a Pharisee. Guys, don't you know that the nature of Jesus is to go places where he shouldn't be? Because he wasn't worried about the opinion of others. He wasn't concerned about what people saw him as. He says, wherever I go, it's to bring my identity as a son or a daughter to the person who is in need. Jesus walks into the house of a Democrat. Jesus walked into the house of a Republican. Jesus walked into the house of someone LGBTQ. Jesus walked into their house and he walks in and he goes, yes, because I'm bringing freedom here. But yes, some of us would have canceled him. How dare he? Don't you know, family, that we're called to those places to be the light, to show them how good God is, how good his forgiveness is, to show them how loving he is. God calls us to the places where we shouldn't be because he goes, someone's got to show them. Someone's got to show them how good he is. Someone's got to show people that he is love and that he cares for them and that he runs towards them. But yet, we like to take snapshots. How could Jesus be in the house of a Pharisee? He went where? With who? Doesn't he know? How many of us have been a part of those churches? Unfortunately. You went where? With who? You got a picture with them? Are you in alignment with everything that they're saying? No, I just wanted to share Jesus with them, and someone got a picture. Jesus wasn't concerned about public opinion as he was concerned about a person's soul. He understood, yes, this Pharisee, he, again, he's a religious leader, but if I can reach his soul... Maybe he'll turn. Maybe he'll see how good God is. I don't want to be a church concerned of what it looks like. I just want to be a church concerned of the gospel and the transformation power that it has. Who wants to be that church? I want to be that church. I just want to be around people who are like, you know what? If no one will go to them, I'll go to them. I'm going to make this personal. If no one will go to them and share the gospel, I'll I'll go. Send me. I'll do it. Jesus would have been canceled today. And not only did he go into his house, he reclined at the table. He sat back at the table. It says a woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. 
As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair and kissed them and poured perfume on them. The woman who lived a sinful life, the reason why they said specifically she lived a sinful life, it means she was a prostitute, a harlot, a scandalous woman. Now Jesus is in the middle of the room with not only one, but two people who would have got him canceled. A Pharisee and a prostitute. There Jesus is standing in the middle of these two people in one moment. Why is Jesus always in places where there's people who could ruin his name? It's because he's not concerned about his name on earth. He's concerned about children finding their identity. He's not concerned about, about what people thought about him. He was concerned that orphans would find a father. He was concerned that those who were lost would find themselves in him. That's what his concern was. That's why he was there. If us as believers would just strip away and pull away all the things that people thought about us and just said, God, all that matters is what you think about me. How much more would we move in power? How much more would we move in faith? If we just says, I don't care what everyone thinks about me. I don't care what my family thinks about me. I don't care what these groups think about me. I'm going to the person who's lost because when they're lost, they can see the father through me and they can find home. Here's what it says. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. She was looking for Jesus because at some point in her life, she became aware of the reality that she was in deep sin and needed to repent. There's some of us right now who can identify with this woman because we're carrying the weight of a sinful lifestyle and it's brought us to this point right here, right now. And that's why you're sitting in this room or that's why you're watching online because there's something in our life that is sinful and it's wrong and now we've been made aware that it is wrong and the Holy Spirit's saying, this, you know this is not right. I love you. And so he leads us here. He leads us to this very point right here. And I think a lot of us expected to meet a God who goes, what are you doing here? We, look, we think God is a God of, what are you doing here? Why did you come in here? This brazen yet humble woman interrupts this party with the Pharisee because she wasn't just seeking attention. She was seeking a father. She interrupted the entire dinner party. Many, see, when you have a good father and you run into the place that he is, it's never an interruption. It's never an, in some of us have walked into places where we're like, oh, sorry, everyone going to the wrong room at some time and they're like, oh, my bad, sorry. But yeah, we walk into this room and we say, daddy, and he goes, come. But you're in the middle of a business meeting, Come. But you're in the middle of a healing. Come. 
but you're in the middle of doing everything. Come. Come. He calls a sinful woman. And what it says is that she didn't even look him in the face. And she's crying. She's crying. She didn't even look him in the face. If you have children, or even if you have pets, this can apply this too. How many times have they done something wrong and they won't even look you in the face? My kids do something wrong. They don't even look at me in the face. I've seen dogs on videos. They know they did something wrong. They don't even look at you in the face. So if all of creation knows what shame feels like, if all of creation knows what guilt feels like, how much more should a son or daughter know what forgiveness feels like? That we can look in the face of our Father, unashamed, and say, Lord, I'm sorry. And what does he do? Does he go, I'm mad at you? No, he goes, they're there. The religious spirit will tell you, oh, if you go to God for this, he's going to spank you. He's going to discipline you. See, when you have sonship, it goes, I got to tell my dad about this. I don't want to keep struggling with this. I don't want to keep messing with this. I got to tell my dad because I know he's going to give me wisdom. I know he's going to forgive me. I know he's going to restore me. I got to tell him about this. But the religious spirit will teach you. He's going to get you. He says, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. What a God. She didn't even look him in the face. Her tears would clean his feet. And her hair would wipe them. Then she takes a very expensive bottle of perfume. And she sprays them on his feet. It's interesting that when I, so I know some of you guys are new. When I say orphan, I mean the orphan mindset. I mean the, the, the orphan mindset that's self-preserving. That's all about me. As sons and daughters of the house, we just believe that we do everything we do for the sake of others, for the sake of someone else. This is why we serve. This is why we love. This is how we move. Because God has put in us that it's for the sake of of others. But it's interesting that the orphan is tired of being, when the orphan is tired of being an orphan, they will always seek out the father, looking to turn away from the lifestyle and turning to Jesus. Because they're saying, I'm tired of preserving myself. I'm tired of living this life. I'm tired of it. It's brought me nothing. It's empty. It's hollow. But when I look to Jesus, he gives me identity. He calls me son. He calls me daughter. He brings me close to himself. He never shoos me away. He says, everything that you need is right here in me. The expensive bottle of perfume was not expensive at the feet of Jesus. She counted it nothing. This is worth nothing. She sought him out. She looked for him. This is why the scripture says to ask, seek, and knock. And he doesn't say, I'm going to play some cosmic hide-and-go-seek with you. When you seek me with all of your heart, you will be found by me. You're going to find me. She sought him out. He was in the Pharisee's house and she found him. It says it right here. Verse 39. I'm going to close. I'm going to start closing. 
It says, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. The Holy Spirit dropped this in me last night about this. And you could write this down. You do not always have to say how you're feeling for Jesus to address your heart. You don't always have to say how you're feeling for Jesus to address your heart. There are many times when we say things in our heart and the Holy Spirit goes, We don't have, like the words did not even reach his vocal cords. It didn't even come out of his mouth. And yet Jesus knew exactly what he was thinking. There are times in my life where the Holy Spirit has done that for me. Where we look at someone and we say, well, uh, and before we can say something, the Holy Spirit goes, that's not how we think. That's not how I think about them. Because what happens? We see it right here. He classified her. She is a sinner. As people, we classify people by their ethnicity, by their behavior, by their family of origin. We classify them. And when we classify them, it gives us some sort of superiority. Where do you think racism was born? Where do you think hate was born from? I'm going to classify a group and I'm better than them. That's what he was doing. I'm better than this person or group of people because look at what they've done and look at what I do. I do good things. And we don't say it. It doesn't necessarily come out of our mouths, but it's how we think. It's in our heart. It may be in our mind. And if you're a son or daughter of Jesus, there are areas in our life where gone unchecked, we can be the same way. But when the Holy Spirit is operating and moving in our hearts and minds, the moment we have a thought that is hateful or to stereotype or to remove someone, God goes, why do you think that way about your brother or sister? Mm. Mm. You know how convicting that is? When not only the Holy Spirit, he doesn't say, why do you think about that person that way? He says, why do you think about that, about your brother and your sister? He always adds an identifier to them. That's your brother. Well, I would never dress that way to church. Why do you think about that way about your brother or sister? Well, I would never speak that way. Why do you talk about that about your brother or sister? He places an identity on them. So, of course, it brings conviction. It says, see, in this moment, when he says, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is. She is a sinner. The Pharisee was worried about being ceremonially unclean than watching a daughter being restored to the father. He was so worried about the religious law and what it looked like and who she was and what she is and what she did that he missed that a daughter was being restored to the father. Sometimes as believers, we do the same thing. We're so concerned about what it looks like, what it sounds like, that sometimes we can miss the restoration that is happening in the moment. We miss it. 
I wouldn't do this. I wouldn't do that. Of course you wouldn't. Sometimes you're not even desperate enough to do it. The religious leader was self-righteous while Jesus was at his table and he missed it. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher. Tell me, rabbi. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them to pay him back. So he forgave the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. Jesus tells him, you have judged correctly. Do you see this woman? I came into your house, and you did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. As greater her love has shown, but whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. That shows me, right in this story right here, the Pharisee invited Jesus over. Now in that time, they walked with sandals, so their feet were dirty. Didn't offer Jesus water. Didn't greet him in his house with a kiss. Did not offer him oil for his head. Because during that time they'd walk in the hot sun and oil would rejuvenate the scalp. Did not offer him oil at all. In his own house. But yet someone who needed him did all of these things. This is why we sing songs like, Holy Spirit, you are welcomed here. Do you know you can be tolerated and not welcomed? How many of us in our own life, we tolerate Jesus in our space and we don't welcome him? He said, hey, you invited me to your house. You didn't greet me. You didn't offer me water to wash my feet. You didn't offer me oil for my head. But yet, here is this woman, this harlot of a woman, who comes into your house, and not only, has, not only has she done the things that you should have done, she welcomes me into her heart. Because she needed something. She needed forgiveness. And what does Jesus tell her? He looks down at her, he goes, your sins are forgiven. I think a lot of us as Christians, and this has been in certain seasons of my life, we treat salvation as if it was a $50 purchase. 50 bucks. We treat our salvation as if God didn't empty all of heaven for it. I've done it. I've been there. I've treated my salvation as like, uh, you know, yeah, he died on the cross. Thank God. You know, I'm here today. I'm in church. And yet here's this woman. She saw the deficit. And she treated it as if it was a debt that she could never, ever pay. 
And there are some believers who inspire me and light me on fire because the way they love Jesus. Why do you think some people worship and they dance and they sing and they look a fool to other people? Because they understood the deficit. They know I was walking in darkness for such a long time that I can live in the light. I can dance and sing and be in the light because I know what was forgiven and I know that I would never be able to pay that debt. So I don't care if you feel awkward because I'm raising my hands. I don't care if you feel awkward because I'm dancing. I don't care if you feel awkward because I worship my God and like nobody's around. I don't care because I understand the debt that he paid. That's why some people just worship so freely. They have zero inhibitions about what you think about their worship, about what I think about their worship, because they like, it's not for you. It's not a show for you. I know I was lost and I was broken. I was in darkness. There are people who are, who've been delivered by so many addictions. So many addictions. There have been people who've been delivered from generational curses. There have been people who literally were, were, were Wiccans and witches, and they've been set free by a father who loves them. That's why they worship and they don't care. Why do you think it says in Scripture that David danced and people, until he was undignified and he didn't care? Because he knows he was forgiven by a God who loves him. He says, your sins are forgiven. You see, Jesus didn't gloss over that she had sins. He says it. He says, he says, therefore I tell you her many sins. She knew she had sins. He didn't sit there and read her sins to her. You remember when you did this? Remember when you did that? See, and some of us have parents who have done that. We've had guardians who have done that. They'll go down the list. You remember when you did this? And you did that? And they bring up all of our shortcomings to us. And yet Jesus goes, I know why you're doing this. Your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. At the table, we can find forgiveness. At the table, we can find forgiveness. That's why he invites us to the table. He says, come, sit next to me. Let's talk. Let's have a meal. Let me pour into you. You don't have to hide your shame and your guilt. You can put it down. I will forgive you at the table. There's always an invitation to come to the table. To the other guests who began to say something among themselves. Who is this who even forgives sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go now in peace. Do we have the same faith to be brazen and yet humble and approach the throne of glory and say, God, you know my many sins. Forgive me. 
Are we brazen and humble enough to tell the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, I've fallen and I need rescue? Here she is, interrupting a dinner party because there was a guilt and shame on her life. She's like, I need freedom from this, and I don't care who sees me. Saint, do you want to know what your job is? You're going to laugh a little bit. You are a holy door holder. That's all you are. Some of us think like God has called us to be bodyguards, and they're like, no, no, no. You feel shame? Oh, there's a Jesus. He makes all things new. Come on, come. I could never go to church. The building would fall on me. Who is here has heard people say that? I could never go to church. I'd get striked by lightning. The building won't fall. Lightning won't come. Jesus took it all already. So you can walk into here freely and say, here are all my shortcomings. Please forgive me. And because of the blood of Jesus' coverage, he goes, you're forgiven. You're forgiven. I guess the question I want to end with, and as the altar team make your way up, is it, how much do you value your adoption and identity? Do you treat your adoption and identity as a $50 purchase, right? I live according to his teachings. It's optional if it's convenient. Do we treat it like a $50 expense? Or do we see our adoption into the kingdom as a $500 million debt that we could never, ever, ever fathom to pay back? And that's why we're willing to forsake and receive, forgive, forsake all that we are and receive his forgiveness because we know that once you come into the house of the Lord, the debt that you couldn't pay is now paid. Are you willing? How do we view it? Because I believe how we view our salvation always reflects how passionate we live like a child of God. It just reflects. This is not a church of $50 salvation. This is a church we know, we know who we are because we know what was paid and that we could never pay it. I'm going to end on this story and then I want everyone, everyone could you just stand with me right now actually and then we're going to go into a time of prayer and our ministry leaders are up front that want to pray with you. I was on my way to work one day and on my way to work I was listening to this song. And for some reason, that song was just stuck on me that morning. And I had it on repeat. And it just played over and over and over and over again. And as I'm driving to work, Jesus met me in my car. And he showed me the gap of what it cost for him to rescue me. He showed me the gap of where I was versus where God is. And he showed me how he filled the gap and I broke down crying in my car. And it was very frustrating 
Because as I'm walking to work, I couldn't stop crying in front of real people, real coworkers. We were doing our morning huddle, and everyone's standing there. And I'm just in the back like, <clears throat> throat closing up and everything. And I'm just crying and weeping and we and I cannot control it. I can't stop it. You know, guys, we try to control it. Like, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm all right. Who's cutting onions? Who's cutting onions? No, this was full on ugly cry. Little snot and everything. And we're in this group. And one of my friends asked me, he's like, are you all right? And I'm like, I'm great. I'm perfect. No, he asked me, what's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? And I'm like, nothing's wrong. Everything's right. Everything is right. He's like, what do you mean? God just showed me how much he loves me and everything is right. God showed me that he forgave me of my sins and everything is right. God showed me that I could never do it for myself and everything is right. Do you know in your brokenness, God revealed himself? And to my coworker, God revealed himself through me. I pray that all of you guys, I pray that every believer in this room and online has a holy moment where he shows you the gap. It will break you. It's going to catch you in a place where you can't even control your tears. And in that moment, years ago, though not physically, I realized my tears were also washing his feet. I had hair at that time. It's all gone now. That the perfume, whatever I considered valuable at that time, I laid it at his feet because I considered it worthless now because I saw my identity in Christ. Let's pray and then all the ministry leaders up here, they want to pray with you. This is your brazen and humble moment to come in a place that's public and yet private to walk to a brother and sister and say, pray for me. I need forgiveness from this. I want to share this with you. I've been holding on to the guilt and shame for so long, but can you just pray with me and talk to me because I, I need to see it through you. And see, that's what scripture says is to forgive one another. Forgive one another. Though they are not Christ, they are a brother or sister who represents our father. And sometimes we just need to hear an audible someone say, you're forgiven. Your faith has healed you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this holy moment. We believe right now, Jesus, that your forgiveness is pouring out right now. And it comes out because of the love that you have for us to bring us close to yourself. So, Lord God, I pray in this ministry moment, in this holy time, Lord God, that whoever's struggling with unforgiveness, whether it be for someone else or whether it be for themselves, that they can see it in their brother and sister in Christ and be drawn close to you. Father, thank you for forgiving me of my sins, which were many. Thank you for allowing us to always come to you when we feel lost and broken and healing us. In Jesus' name, the altars are open now. 
Thank you for listening to the Pioneer Church Podcast. Let's go one step further. Subscribe and share this podcast with family and friends and see how this word changes their life. At Pioneer, we believe in journeying together. If you want to support this ministry, go to pioneerchurch.com give to continue to help us to reach people for Jesus. Thank you again for listening and God bless you.